1: And Welcome to Fast Break Breakfast NBA Podcast. My name is Keith Parrish. I have Porter Callahan, aka Trill Bro Dude, coming up in just a couple of minutes. We talk about the Sixers and the Eastern Conference and a bunch of other fun stuff. But first of all, there is some big NBA news. There was a trade in the middle of August and also some... Terrible news for the Oklahoma City Thunder as it has just been announced that Chet Holmgren, who we found out on Wednesday, had suffered some form of ligament damage in his foot. We got more details on Thursday morning, and he is going to be out for the entire season. He will miss the entire 2022-2023 NBA season because of a Liz Frank injury to his right foot an injury that occurred at a pro-am at the crossover in seattle chet holmgren out for the year the number two overall pick and even someone like me who cynically pokes fun at the thunder this is just an upsetting bit of news it's really sad for chet it's really sad for the thunder fans it's sad for nba fans we don't get to see this guy he was such a unique talent and someone that I think we wanted to see like how that game would translate. And then the excitement of his first summer league, the first half of his first summer league game where he was knocking down all these jumpers um, to lose all that, it's extremely upsetting. I feel like we have to acknowledge that this was also one of the big concerns about Chet Holmgren, where he has a unique body type, was clearly very, very tall, very, very skinny, but this is just worst case scenario. And now the Thunder, I mean, we knew they were probably going to be focused on losing out again, but it's just a really sad development. A a complete bummer for all NBA fans. Um, the other bit of big news in the NBA outside of this kind of depressing injury news is that a trade went down as the Los Angeles Lakers, after finding out perhaps Kyrie Irving was not on the table, because of the Nets reconciling and making up, they turned to plan B, their fallback plan, which was Patrick Beverly. Patrick Beverly joins his fifth Western Conference team in the last 12 months by coming from the Jazz to the Lakers in exchange for Talon Horton Tucker and Stanley Johnson. Talon Horton Tucker, who you may remember, was untouchable in a trade for Kyle Lowry. The Lakers would not give him up. Taylor Horton Tucker, who was the Lakers' preference, their choice over Alex Caruso. They cheaped out. They didn't want to face the luxury tax penalties of signing Alex Caruso to a reasonable contract and chose the younger Taylor Horton Tucker. They've now traded him for Patrick Beverly. Patrick Beverly is 13 years older than Taylor Horton Tucker. Talon Horton Tucker is 21, younger by two weeks than rookie Scottie Pippen Jr., who's on a two-way for the Lakers. I'm not saying Taylor Horton Tucker was any good. His contract situation, not great either. But to finally give up on this guy, to get rid of the last remaining player besides AD and LeBron, who won the title for the Lakers in 2020, it's quite the turn. I mean, Patrick Beverly will help the Lakers on the court, possibly more than Taylor Horton Tucker this season. But of course, the obvious and massive storyline to this is, does training for Patrick Beverly mean it's the final nail in the coffin for the Lakers and Russell Westbrook? Russell Westbrook and Patrick Beverly have had a very loud rivalry. Russell Westbrook famously said that Patrick Beverly was so overrated that he, quote, tricked y'all. All he does is run around, like say he's not a good defender. Of course, Patrick Beverly injured Russell Westbrook in the playoffs on a very reckless play. It's probably where most NBA fans got their first real taste of Patrick Beverly was him injuring Russell Westbrook, knocking him out of the playoffs. That injury to Russell Westbrook helped my Memphis Grizzlies make the Western Conference Finals back in 2013. So they have this long history together. We already thought the relationship between the Lakers and LeBron and Russell Westbrook was untenable, unrepairable. They're not going to have a Brooklyn Nets. We're all on the same page. We're going to continue this partnership moment. Adding Patrick Beverly continues this thought that, all right, they have to do something about Russell Westbrook. Maybe not. I mean, maybe they're professionals. Patrick Beverly, for his part, after getting traded from the Clippers to the Grizzlies to the Timberwolves and then the Timberwolves to the Jazz to the Lakers, has said he's excited. He tweeted that he woke up a Laker and uh, he's very excited about it. So they now don't have to have that closing lineup of Troy Brown Jr. and Austin Reeves. They can can close their games with Patrick Beverly and Austin Reeves. And then I guess the rest of the lineup, LeBron, AD, and... I don't know who the fifth is. Is it Thomas Bryant if you're going to play big? Is it Juan Toscano Anderson at the three? Um, I don't think the Lakers are super good still. They still need to make some moves. Does this mean they're going to continue with the Westbrook to the Pacers deal? And then if you can add Buddy Heald and Miles Turner, honestly, that's not a bad five, six, seven-man rotation the Lakers would have then if that wants to be a, a last gasp of LeBron's time on the Lakers. For the Jazz, I guess they just pick up... They pick up Taylor Horton Tucker and see if he develops into anything. They maybe just resolve a locker room issue, much like the Memphis Grizzlies did, where they just don't want that big of a personality with their rebuilding slash tanking or whatever they're doing in Utah team. As far as the Utah team, they're still not like out of the woods as far as getting ready to to shut it down. They, by my opinion have a little bit too much talent still like they're weirdly talented, but not good enough to be one of the better playoff teams. I mean, they have right now they have too many guards, Mike Conley, Donovan Mitchell still on the roster with Jordan Clarkson. And then you have Malik Beasley, Nikhail Alexander Walker. They have Jared Butler, who they, I think want to develop this season. And then Boyan Bogdanovich still there. You bring in Stanley Johnson, Taylor Horton Tucker, they have Jared Vanderbilt in the front court, and then maybe the little light at center, Walker Kessler, who they got in the Gobert trade, and then uh, it's a little light beyond that. So, like, I'm not saying the Jazz are going to be good, but I'm saying right now they have too much talent, and if you want to convince me that a Stanley Johnson, Jared Vanderbilt, Walker Kessler front court could maybe be good on defense, I'm listening. I won't shut that down. Frankly, if the Jazz could trade Jordan Clarkson or Malik Beasley for, like, just an okay power forward or center, they would be decent. Not, you know, not top six seed decent, but, like, win 60% of your home games decent, make the play-in decent, which, of course, you know, if the NBA was about winning basketball games and actually competing, would be a good thing. But, as we know, it's not. The Jazz supposedly want to focus on tanking out. We think they want to probably trade Donovan Mitchell to the Knicks, but all that is a little bit of supposition. Could they zig instead of zag, or could they go a different direction? Could they go a different direction and uh, decide to keep Donovan Mitchell and just build around this weird and frisky youngish roster that they have? Who knows? Anyways, uh, before I get Trill in here, I got to tell you about grind city media visit grindcitymedia.com today for the most up-to-date and exclusive coverage and analysis of the memphis grizzlies you can get grind city media is always there, home and road providing the most comprehensive grizzlies coverage plus get your local and regional sports fix all in one spot for more information and behind the scenes access on the grizzlies visit grindcitymedia.com or follow on twitter at grindcitymedia today all right, now let's get to the one and only Trill Bro Dude. I'm joined right now by Porter Callahan, otherwise known as
2: Trill, the Trill Bro Dude. Trill, how's it going, man? Uh, it's going well. Uh, you know, now that we got a little bit of the slop out of the way with the KD stuff. Mm no slop really just kind of going back well, is there back not going to, we like well, to be more slop
1: with now like there actually, it was fake so we we all have mourned the 5 weeks we lost for the Durant deal but that actually that was that that was fake slop
2: right it yeah. was no, so now no slop so now we can get back to the real slop so i would imagine that there's at least two Obviously the Donovan Mitchell domino is the next one to fall, but I would imagine that this opens up trades for the jazz mm. other than Donovan Mitchell. And then the Lakers, obviously because the Lakers miss out on Kyrie Kyrie, at least well, there's a partnership.
1: There's now a partnership in Brooklyn and partnerships, very happy. my business knowledge is partnerships cannot be dissolved
2: <laughs> ever,
1: especially in the <laughs> NBA. They're, they're permanent. Um, <laughs> I'm doing the same podcast with the same guys we started 8 9 years ago cuz that's just what you have to do once a partnership's made. Um so something should happen. The the um the Donovan Mitchell one is tough because I bet $10 um for a return of 8 that he would not get traded before opening night. So I'm I'm kind of biting my teeth here um cuz it feels like it's going to happen. I also at the same very illicit site Uh, I I wagered ten dollars to win back two. That Joel Embiid would not be traded by opening night. That's a winner. I mean, that's come on. I I saw that. Roller. I saw that, (laughs) and I'm like, I would like to max bet this, and the max bet was in fact ten (laughs) dollars. So I was like, well, I'll loan this. uh, I mean, it is
2: for two free dollars. I will loan this
1: branch of the mafia uh ten dollars for four months and uh take a $2 return <laughs> on that but of course I, i'm i'm i fear i'm going to lose on my donovan mitchell now that the uh the durant has courteously stepped out of the way and allowed the nba transactions to continue
2: well i i don't know to be honest like i i do think that we probably will get one by opening night just because it makes sense to do that but at the same time like Danny Ainge is famous for not taking deals that he doesn't want to do. And from everything I've heard about the Knicks perspective, it does sound like the so, new guy that they have for negotiating trade is like very set on not giving up too much in trades. Like he's you very say, hinky crazy asset wise. You
1: say Danny Ainge is famous for whatever, whatever. Maybe this is because you're also covering a team up in the Northeast and you're a little course, more aware or biased. I, like, I have this impression of Danny Ainge's trades, but like I don't specifically remember a lot of them. I'll be honest. When you say Danny Ainge is famous for, what I think he's famous for, Danny Ainge is famous for making a layup in the finals and raising his fist in the air. This is before your time. and Oh, yeah. He raises his fist in the air to show a totally hairless armpit. Blew my mind as a teenager. Wow. Blew my mind. I've I got to find the clip. But for me, when someone says Danny Ainge is famous for, all I was thinking of was his cleanly shaved armpit. He's ahead of
2: his time. He was ahead He's of his manscaping. time.
1: He was, I, I mean, I, I didn't even know about manscaping. I didn't know men were legally allowed <laughs> to shave uh, things that weren't their face. And I, I just remember seeing that empty armpit and like, I, I, I'm going to say I was 14 and I was like, just set up straight and said, What? And you couldn't back you couldn't back your TV up, you know, you couldn't back it up back then. Um what, he's a revolutionary. Uh so he famously nailed the Jason Tatum deal, but sure. then everything else has been these kind of like the joke was oh, I was gonna trade for Anthony Davis sure. or I was gonna trade for whoever. But the actual trades he did, they're they're all they're all pretty
2: slamming, right? But the thing is, is that anytime that he makes a trade for mm-hmm. a star or like So think about the history of his trades. You have Ray Allen, who they gave up the fifth pick for, like for a multiple time all-star. You know, the odds are Ray Allen is going to be better than whoever's picked in the fifth pick of that draft, especially when you have Ray Allen in the middle of his prime. Then you have the Kevin Garnett trade, which is an all-time heist and honestly an inside job from Kevin McHale. Let's like we all know that. I do know about the inside job of Kevin McHale. Yes. Yes. And then you have the Kyrie trade, which value wise was actually a fantastic trade. Jay Crowder, Isaiah Thomas. And the eighth pick in the draft in 2018, like to get two, even two years of Kyrie Irving, the also, value on that, that was also good. that's not an
1: inside job, but that was fraud. I mean that was yeah, because of the that, Isaiah sh- Thomas yeah thing. that was yeah. that was a felony. I mean that should not have been allowed. Uh, the, Crazy. The uh, yeah, and then I mean the Gobert deal, which he just pulled off, also sure. heist, heisty. Um, yeah. And similar, I mean, is that an inside job? I guess that's that's a less legit. That's above board. He did, I mean, leaving the Celtics to go to the Jazz a little bit squirrely the way yeah. those back channels operated, and then to
2: uh, well, I know, was to, worried to they were going to trade for Celtics Donovan Mitchell for coach. nothing. So I'm glad yeah, they didn't. Yeah. All right.
1: Yeah, but. So, yeah, Ace has been doing some solid work. Of course, it helps to have those connections. Um, it helps to have played for the Celtics back in the day and uh, sure, have everyone owing you favors. Um, we're, we're so heavy into the slop season, I have omitted an important part of you coming on Fast Break Breakfast. This is your first time on Fast Break Breakfast. Uh, That's right. we're, su- we're supposed to start with our breakfasts. Have you had a breakfast today? Do you, are you a breakfast man? What, 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 what does Trill uh, do for breakfast?
2: I'm not a breakfast connoisseur, but I I I mess with some breakfast. Like I, I this morning, I just had. Uh, gluten free. I I was gluten free and vegan for a while. I'm not anymore, but my girlfriend is. Yeah. So I had a gluten free and vegan waffle with some Skippy natural peanut butter nice. and and bananas on top. So that's that was incredible. that was my breakfast this morning. Yeah, li- little snack.
1: My breakfast two days ago was a gluten free uh, raspberry scone because my wife is doing gluten free right now. So there you go. Look at us. It's not too bad. We gluten free teammates. That's right. That's that's something we can bond over. Um. With this, uh, now that the Nets are maybe the Nets again, what does that mean for the Eastern Conference? Is it still, what's our hierarchy? Is it, is it Celtics, Celtics, Bucks at the top, and then are tier we Sixers, one. and then we have Sixers-Nets tier two, or are the Nets not quite I, on that tier? I think
2: I would and go that And I am purposefully way. omitting the Miami Heat, because screw I, them. I hate the Heat. They're my least favorite team in the NBA, but... If I had to be honest, I would also include them in that tier just because I do think that Jimmy Butler in the playoffs is a different level of player. Like, I don't think in the regular season, he's like a top 12 He's like the anti (laughs) harden Yeah, basically. Yeah. He basically gets to the playoffs and improves massively. Yeah. So I have to I have to give him credit. I mean, he just ended our season and, and played amazingly for a good chunk of those playoffs. So. I would put Miami in that tier. I, yeah. So I would clearly have Boston and Milwaukee in the first tier. I think Boston obviously just went to the finals. Some of that was injury luck. Some of that was the fact that they're just a really good deep team. And now they have Malcolm Brogdon. In addition to that, Danilo Gallinari is like their 10th man or whatever. And then you have Milwaukee having Chris Middleton coming back healthy and just having a championship under their belt already and the best player in the world. And Giannis, Obviously, that's tier one. Tier two, I would probably go Nets, Sixers, Heat. I would say the Sixers, I would say the Nets have the have a higher. I feel like the, the Nets have a higher ceiling, but a lower floor than the Sixers. Like they could easily just absolutely oh, collapse no. next yeah, year they could, in a way. They
1: could win 28 games. You know? <laughs> did, yeah, like, no,
2: I'm, I'm, I'm into that. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think that I, I think that if everything goes right for Brooklyn and I personally still think that they might be like one minor not major trade but not minor trade away like like a miles turner trade like if they were like hey let's trade some of our young guys daron sharp uh Cam Thomas and a first round pick for Miles Turner, then, okay, now, now I think you got a little bit more de- like you got a rim protector on defense because as good as Ben Simmons is defensively, that's the one area that he doesn't, he's not going to cover for. And I think that getting a center like him, like I, I worry about their big situation, but otherwise that offensively, they're going to be so you, damn good you, with you all those you shooters. You
1: just mentioned someone who I had not yet considered in the aftermath of Kevin Durant making up with his front office, the big loser, of this, Kevin Durant returning is Cam Thomas. That man was going to get so many shots. That guy was going to, that, <laughs> yeah. that guy was going to average twenty points per game on twenty field goal attempts per game. Uh, if Kevin Durant got shipped out and then Kyrie left, now with yep. everyone returning, he has to take some kind of weird, like you know, fourteen minute uh, a game. Role. I yeah, may, I don't. He was I gonna
2: be, have like a Jamal Crawford shot diet off the bench. Like, oh, like no question. Just, but even yeah. more,
1: just like just yeah, just yeah. shoot, dude. We don't know what we're doing. Um, <laughs> yeah, who cares? It's Either you or Patty Mills, and yeah, just whoever has it, just 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 put it up. No, he's 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 definitely a big loser. Yeah, I can see a lot of things going. You know, obviously, we saw him get swept last year. They were all very close, competitive games, and the offense sure. was great. But Ben Simmons gave him nothing. That's still like a huge question mark of just the whole attitude of Ben Simmons and. How, like, can he be reborn? Can Kevin Durant look at him with respect at any point? What, coming from your perspective as a Sixers guy and watching Ben Simmons, it's been a precipitous decline. I have accused some Sixers fans of, like, retconning this history that... Of course. People saying, like, oh, yeah, I always doubted him. And it was like, I didn't hear anything from my outsider perspective I heard everyone was just in love with the guy. He was in contention for Defensive Player of the Year until the Hawks series, and then until the Hawks' fourth quarters, and then he passes up the layup, and then everyone's throwing him under the bus, and then everyone's like, the coach is like, I couldn't ever win with this guy. And all the fans are like, yeah, we got to get rid of this guy. And so that felt all new to me. So I guess it was maybe simmering and growing before then, but when did you... When did you find yourself that you turned on Ben Simmons? And it wasn't was it till he just set out this whole year.
2: So I I was never strongly one way or strongly the other way. They yeah. Ben had his defenders, Ben had his ardent stands. He had yeah. people who would just like not ever back off the idea of what he could become as a player despite being a very productive, good regular season NBA player. I also wasn't like super like if there's a pen like if you know NBA personalities like podcast wise if Spike Eskin is on the the one side of Ben Simmons he was the biggest Ben Simmons hater and Ben Dietrich was on the other side of the biggest Ben Simmons lover I was like kind of squarely in the middle of those two where I could see both sides of the argument I still I might be holding on to something that isn't there with Ben just because I mean mentality is a big part of basketball and like he might just not like Showing up and playing games is actually kind of important. I don't know. And if he is truly not committed to basketball and he's truly not committed to improving, which he has pretty much shown throughout the first five, six years of his career, then I don't think he can ever become the player that he
1: could have ever. So not to interrupt you, but even that, like, if he's not committed to improving, that's a thing I did not hear until the playoffs in 2021. Sure. Uh, I never heard that before where it's like, oh, he's not committed to improving. I mean, a lot of people
2: did say that here. A lot of people said that that here. That
1: could just be tuning out the Northeast. I just tune you guys out and I don't hear it. Yeah.
2: That's, well, that's well we're me. all we're all sports psychos, so I don't really blame you. But the uh the thing about that was there was a large faction of Sixers Twitter, there was a large faction of Sixers fans who did feel as this as though he didn't really improve. And I think the big thing was seeing how much Embiid improved between the 20 1920 season and the twenty twenty one season, and we saw him make that leap from All NBA player to MVP caliber player. And Ben was pretty much still the same player. And honestly, if you go back and you watch some of his rookie footage and his second year footage, like he regressed in some regards. And I think a lot of that had to do with his mentality on the offensive end, not being willing, like people talk about the shooting and obviously the shooting is the big piece, but like, never really improved his handle. He didn't really add any sort of counter to any of his game. He didn't add a post-up game. He didn't add anything that could make him a viable player in the half court. And you're right that most of that stuff did come out afterwards that we went back and we kind of analyzed all of that stuff. But there was a faction of people that by that season were getting a little bit tired of Ben. I was certainly not hypercritical of Ben. I try not to be hypercritical of players especially when they're young and like they can improve and they can find the, like Andrew Wiggins is a good example of someone who found the perfect situation for him. And I can't think of a much better situation for Ben Simmons than what the Brooklyn nets are right now, but it's up to him. It's not up to, it's a dream. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a playing along with the skills he has
1: and the skills that we've seen as a defender with that size as a ball handler distributor and as a hesitant shooter to be flanked by the two, maybe the two best offensive players or at least two best, like one-on-one get a bucket guys in the league. And also by the way, Cam Thomas will shoot every single time. Just relieve that pressure Mills, and Seth
2: Curry and, yeah. Joe, and Joe Harris, Harris is back. Of yeah. It's like, it's three of the greatest catch and shoot guys. And then time. like, I'm like,
1: like, I mean, looking at his just looking at his stats from his final playoff run. I know like we know about the, the passed up, layup, and we know about the, the weird free throw stuff where his first ever playoffs, he he was like 75% from the line or something. And then now this last one, 34% from the line. Yeah, But bad. his other stats, it's just like 12 points, nine assists, eight rebounds, one and a half steals, one block on 62% field goal percentage. And it's just like a just weird memory of just like all bad where our impression is just like, well, that guy just something happened and he hasn't played basketball. And it is weird where it's like, he seems like this ideal fit like we're talking about, but it's also goes back to these questions came up in college of yeah. like, you know, <laughs> it's like, well, some people didn't want to take him number one because they were worried about his commitment to basketball. And then now you fast forward to, you just didn't play for a whole year.
2: Well, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. I mean, that's uh, honestly, I, it is unlike anything I've ever seen in my life. Like, I mean, the, I, <laughs> I, I I've never seen a player sit out an entire season. So the standard and the precedent isn't really there for me to say, like, he'll be fine. Like, yeah. I think he's still massively talented and could be an impactful winning player in the right situation. Like he's in right now, but also I feel like the, like, once again, those one thing goes wrong in Brooklyn and it could be just uh, a domino effect. I mean, I'm, I'm all about, I'm so
1: intrigued. Cause I mean, I got to think for guys who can't shoot. And so I'm I'm intrigued with distressed asset Ben Simmons, like trade deadline. You need you need a Steven Adams and a Tyus Jones. Let's let's do it. <laughs> Danny Green plus Tyus Jones in a in a first. Let's do it. Let's put
2: John ja, like John ja Ben Simmons running two man game. Like, but see, he kind of needs a center like Jaron Jackson that can shoot at that. Oh, we're not high volume. I'm saying.
1: No, no, Jared, if break, you yeah, were traded, yeah, you yeah. see,
2: you see the vision. I see the
1: vision. Come on. um, You, you have my guy, you have D'Anthony Melton. He's on your Sixers team. That's right. Um, if there's only, if there's one concern I have, it's that Sixers fans have, have actually ruined a few careers recently. I'm including Ben <laughs> yeah. and you guys did something to Marco Fultz too. No one knows what you guys did to him, but it's messed up. It's not Okay. <laughs> um how are you guys going to take care of my guy melton who is a streaky shooter sure and i i want you guys to be able to appreciate he he brings those Tybalt like instincts the Tybalt the like defense the steals the blocks but also he's going to knock down more threes but he is going to give you some one for tens he's going to give you some Danny green over eights i want to sure. make sure i want to make sure people are standing by him how, how, how are you going to take care of my guy melton
2: well, I think after the Ben Simmons situation, I don't think that Philly fans are ever going to be mad at a guy who shoots too much, even if the shots aren't <laughs> going in, I, like, see, like actually, like, I think that people like the, the Thibault situation because of the off the court stuff yeah. might've, might've, I, I've personally never been a big Matisse Thibault fan. I thought they should have traded him when he was at his higher value, just because I didn't really like his fit on the team, but. I also think a guy like Melton, because he brings the same defensive intensity, because he brings a lot of the same skill set that Diable has defensively, but he's a viable offensive player that fits kind of like a glove with Joel Embiid and James Harden, that I would have a hard time seeing fans turn on him in a way. Also, it's a lot easier when a guy is brought in as a role player. Like, I don't think people had high expectations for Danny green when he came here, but Danny proved to be a very important player for us. And when he went down in the playoffs, we struggled a lot, both years that he went down. And because of that guys like D'Anthony Melton, I think because the expectation is he's a role player, he'll come in and he'll be a three and D guy. He'll, he'll bring energy off the bench. He's a dog. Like we need that kind of vibe that is brought to the team. Whereas like Fultz and Simmons situation is different because they were just seen as like stars. Like they were seen Uh as the, the, the solution. They were going to be the guys who came in and made the team a championship level team. And obviously it didn't work out here. Our relationship with Marco Fultz is very different than our relationship with Ben Simmons, by the way, everyone loves Marco Fultz here, especially because he got us Tyrese Maxey technically. And also because he's always been very, like he's like, I have nothing against the city of Philly. I had a great time there. Like I love the fans, blah, blah, blah. So so just generally speaking, I think that Melton and is not is going to be received well. And I think that he's a fantastic fit on the team.
1: Yeah, I hope he gets the opportunity. I'm always nervous about the way he will be deployed, but I think he's the kind of guy that like Embiid's gonna love him. Embiid's yep. gonna love him and PJ Tucker. Those dudes just—they get the ball. They get—they get rebounds. They get the ball. Like they, they just do the little things, the um the hustle plays, the 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 getting after the their their guys, um and then making the big steals, the offensive rebounds. Like it seems like a perfect fit. And I find myself—I get real excited about the Sixers team because I mean Joel Embiid is awesome, and James Harden is a great eighty-two game player, and then <laughs> uh, <laughs> and like Maxie's awesome. But I come sure. like, whenever I look at the roster and I still think like, this could be a team that could win in the East, I come back to that like Harden has done it so many times in the postseason, and also Doc Rivers has failed so many times in the postseason. We're like, I can't get that excited. And even last year, going into that, that Miami series, I, I, my prediction was like, you know what? I haven't watched a ton of Miami, but they don't have Doc Rivers or James Harden, so sure. I'm taking Miami. And then James Harden stunned me with his second half. Uh, Like his final, it was like, this guy did it again. He really just like stopped shooting to the point where James Harden felt pressured to tamper and, uh, and give up some of his money and break NBA (laughs) rules to bring in PJ Tucker. He felt so bad about his poses and collapse. So what, like, I I mean, I'm needling you, I'm needling the Sixers fans, but like, what is the pushback to like the confidence level you can have in a James Harden and a Doc Rivers where it's like, I think those are limiting. Those are honestly limiting sure. factors when it comes to winning a title.
2: I totally agree. I especially agree with the doc rivers thing. I've never been a doc guy. I was very upset when we hired him. I wanted to hire Ty Lou. That's another conversation, but I will say that the James Harden thing is interesting to me because as much as he struggled, the offense, especially in the regular season and in the first round, against a very good Toronto defense, by the way, people, all I ever hear about is how amazing the Toronto defense is. And then the Sixers put up like 120 on them three times. And all of a sudden, well, Dennis, you, know, you guys we have we like can't a, take that seriously. Wasn't
1: there like a no turnover, 80% true shooting half or something? There was, there was there was something first, weird in yeah, that the first, series where it was like the first game we were the Sixers inc- played the we best game incredible. ever. Yeah. yeah, but
2: Tyrese Maxey also scored thirty nine points and shot like sixty five percent of the from the field because he was blowing by guys getting wide open looks because they were so concerned with Joel Embiid and James Harden. And my whole thing with this Sixers team is that it, there's only really two ways, three ways that the Sixers win a title. And I think the swing, the major swing pieces are Joel Embiid's health. That's just number one, most important, obviously. Joel Embiid needs to be the best player on the team if we want to win a title. You know, he's had a lot of bad luck with injuries. He's had a not great rosters built around him, but it's at the point where he's kind of out of excuses if he doesn't win this year and moving forward. So you have Joel Embiid and his health, and then you have James Harden, obviously getting back to a somewhat Maybe just when he got to Brooklyn level, it doesn't even need to be Houston James Harden, just a kind of centerpiece of your offense that did what he did in the regular season, which is we had like a 123 offensive rating with Joel Embiid, James Harden, and Tyrese Maxia on the court. Like, it's incredible what they can do in the regular season. Will that translate to the postseason? I'm not sure. I I think history shows that Harden is worse in the playoffs for sure. But he still did have his moments in that second half of the Miami game where he was just, just nailing shot three after three after three in the second half. The Sixers have never had that guy, and they've also never had a guy like Tyrese Maxey, who I think is the third swing piece, where if Maxey goes from nice, good player to you know nice, good young player to a guy who's in the most improved conversation next year, a guy who's maybe even an all-star conversation next year, then that is the major swing piece to me, because I really think he's a 16-game player. And I think that James Harden's role – is generally speaking is like not the heliocentric James Harden that we've come and we've gotten used to. It's kind of what he was when he first got to Brooklyn, which is like the guy who has the ball that can facilitate that can run some offense. And also, this offseason, we're hoping that he's actually working on his hamstring and his game. And <laughs> from everything we've seen, which I don't fall for offseason clips, by the way, but everything we've seen, it looks like he's trying to get his mid-range game back, which is an important factor when you get to the playoffs. So my hope is that Max, the, this team really thrives offensively on Maxine and Bede and Harden is kind of the connector piece that keeps everything going. Doc, yeah. to me, different, different right. story. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I the,
1: the yeah. Harden thing in theory, it. What you say? Like I, I, I buy in, and even last year I was bought in, and then, and then he, and then he uh, surprised me with that game six second half, and I'm like, oh, you got me again! I didn't yep. see it coming, and somehow you surprised me like a great magician, the sleight of hand. He's like, I'm not gonna do it this time. I'm not gonna do it this time. But I did it! I did it!
2: Oh, Within man. two games, game four second I know. Half to game six oh. second have he checked out. It's yeah, up.
1: I I, th- I think you know, I think there's a lot of optimism in Maxi and just you know, if they if they stay healthy, if PJ Tucker is the PJ Tucker we've seen in the last couple of years, like that that's a big piece. Like if you're taking stuff off Tobias, like I don't feel like I feel like Tobias gets a bad rap for his postseason performance. Where for me it's like he's just Tobias Harris. Like yeah, he's fine. I can't I can't get mad at, at at a puppy for doing puppy things. He's Tobias Harris. He's doing Tobias Harris
2: things. You need Also, he was good in the playoffs this yeah, year. Like I don't you know need, like uh, he was fine.
1: But even in the biggest games like you can't you can't give the ball to Tobias Harris and say get us a bucket. Like that's not a right. Tobias Harris thing. He's just he's going to take the offense that comes to him. You need yeah. if it is a Harden or a Maxi a creator with the ball. You can't same thing. You can't you can't get the ball to Anthony Melton and say give us a bucket. Uh, you're gonna yeah. have to have those apex stars. You have Embiid. You're probably gonna need Harden to do it. If Maxi can step up to that offensive level, um, maybe that is it. Uh, finally, let's let's get out of here. Um, you guys broke the rules. You guys tampered. What should your punishment be?
2: Nothing. We shouldn't <laughs> get any punishment. No. uh I mean, look. Uh, I think that the reason why everyone's making a big deal out of this is the fact that, you know, obviously you have the Morian and Harden connection in Houston. It's pretty obvious that I think that this was telegraphed. Zach Lowe was talking about it on his podcast. Even when the trade happened, he was like, why why were they in such a rush to make this trade happen now, as opposed to this upcoming offseason? Like, what's the difference? Is there something happening here? And then we did learn that, well, Yes. Technically, you still could have done a sign-in trade this offseason, but that would have been a lot more hard. It would have been harder to maneuver and blah, blah, blah. The big issue here is the fact that if Harden really did have a handshake deal with the team and was like, hey, I'll just when we we don't have cap space next summer anyway, when Joel Embiid Supermax kicks in, I'll sign a longer term deal next offseason with a higher hit. That is an issue. My yeah. argument back my argument back to that would be who you just described James Harden checking out on his third team in the playoffs or second team. He didn't really check out on the nets in the playoffs, but he did check out on the nets. So you're describing a guy who's checked, who's coming off a hamstring injury at 33 years old. All the teams that had cap space this summer were the Pistons, the Spurs, who is you're not going like, to try to convince
1: up? me. It made sense for him to take a voluntary pay cut. I mean,
2: no, 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 I was, I, I agree. Yeah. I agree. But the market would have dictated that he was not getting a lot of money on the open market anyway. I I do think that the real issue is if he was saying there's a handshake deal next year. Technically, he actually over the next two years could potentially make more money than if he came back and he sucked. But the, the idea here is that he is going to come back and get a bigger deal next year. Now, if that is the case, I think we really could get hit with like a first round pick. Like we could get like a real fine. Cause yeah. that, that makes sense to me that people would be pissed over that. Um, well, but I can
1: also imagine that I assume just honestly, PJ Tucker being involved because yeah. the heat got slapped the year before. And, and they, they were docked for their dealings with the Kyle Lowry thing that when yeah. a rival and a team they're competing with for the Eastern conference title, this upcoming season, when the Sixers are able to get away PJ Tucker without having the space to get PJ Tucker, and then you're like, well, I guess Harden is doing something funny with his contract to make this happen. I could imagine the Heat, not that the Heat would stoop to snitching or calling. Pat uh, Riley's never Silver. done that before. Um, but I mean, you don't, it with
2: Bogdan Bogdanovich, like literally two years has, ago, so. has, you know, yeah. well, he has one yeah. job and
1: it's to report uh, what the other people <laughs> are doing in the NBA. And I, I feel like the, the Miami's like, you can't take away our second round pick and then let this shenanigan go down. Yeah.
2: So no, I, I totally understand that. And I also think that, uh, I think probably what is going to happen, maybe multiple second round picks, a fine, a pretty, Mm. a bigger fine, whatever. If they do a first round pick, it's going to set a pretty like I'm I don't care about tampering. I don't care. Every team does it except for the Hornets. Can can Adam
1: Silver do a do a lottery protected first round fine?
2: Yeah, right. Like if you if you We're make the playoffs, play you.
1: if you make the playoffs, you lose your pick. But I'm not going to be too draconian. We can't take away a, a top 13 pick. We'll yeah. take
2: away the 25th pick in the draft. What are the odds that guy becomes an NBA player anyway? Right? Like, let's yeah. Be Unless you're the Memphis Grizzlies. Yeah. Unless man. Oh, by the <laughs> way,
1: everybody, you need to go listen to uh, um Trill's show talking about how the the Lakers could have, should have taken Desmond Bain. But instead, just traded away Danny Green and the Desmond Bain pick for Dennis Schroeder.
2: Hilarious, a hilarious. Move. And um, then they also would have had their 2021 pick when there were still good players on the board too. Just a yeah. a, a gr- hilarious it's set of moves.
1: That's great. Um, uh, rivalry week. How important is it to you to beat that that dirty, illegitimate MVP Nikola Jokic in, in, <laughs> in the head to head? Sixers, ah, uh, uh, Sixers Nuggets. It's not
2: fair. Embiid is the the rightful MVP. Give him his crown. <laughs> I'm probably not the best Sixers fan to ask this because I love Jokic. I think he's an amazing talent. I think I think him and Embiid being as good as they are at uh, the same time is, is really good for the game. And it also seems like they kind of generally get along. Like, from everything I've heard, Jokic and Embiid are cool. Like, so I, I don't really think that there's it. But it would be cool to beat them just because... I feel like they're a really good team, and I think if you just beat the Nuggets, it has less to do with the Jokic versus Embiid thing for me, and it has more to do with beating the Nuggets. It Proves that we're I think they're a championship contender. Like I think the way that they've rebuilt with defensively around Jokic should be very interesting. And I I, I obviously want one Embiid, and I still want Embiid to win MVP, but I'm hoping that he shifted his priorities towards you know the playoffs instead of the regular season.
1: Are you implying his priority was, was not on the playoffs? Oh, oh I mean, he's kind there's, of, out, there's an, he's uh, kind there's of a,
2: kind of said it. There's a facial expression.
1: <laughs> oh, I, I
2: didn't know. Wow. Well, I'm not saying that he didn't want to win a championship, but I think that he might've been playing through some injuries because oh. he didn't, because he didn't want to have the rep when we got to the end of the season that he didn't play enough games to qualify for MVP. And, Sometimes that can be actually a good thing for keeping him in shape for the playoffs, but at the same time, I, I do think that this year, his focus is going to be more holding the defense together, making sure that the, and by the way, they, they win, they almost always win the minutes by a lot when Joel Embiid is on the court. So. Oh, yeah. So that that seems to be uh, I I think he knows that that part of the game will come easily to him and that by the time they get to the playoffs, he should just remain. He's just had such a bad history of honestly bad luck when it comes to injuries towards the playoffs. And I think just eliminating the risk of having these major injuries in the regular season could be really beneficial for him to come playoff time.
1: That makes sense. And that's why the team prioritized spending all those resources on a backup center. Oh, Oh, wait, sir. There... Paul Reed? Do you guys have a backup center? Is, is this right?
2: Paul Reed is better than any backup center we've had since like, well, actually Drummond was pretty good for us, but I don't think Drummond can play yeah. like in the playoffs and Paul Reed can. But I will say, I'm glad we didn't do the thing where we go out and we sign Dwight Howard, DeAndre Jordan types where it's just like, don't give Doc an excuse oh, to play. No, that, that is true. <laughs> that, uh, you
1: could. There's, there's got to be a young guy somewhere who's uh, who's worth checking out. Anyways, uh, Trill, thanks so much for coming on, man. Uh, everybody out there, go listen to the You Know Ball podcast. And uh, hopefully you, Trill, will come back on sometime.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me. All right,
1: thanks to Porter for coming on. If you want to follow him on Twitter, at Trill Bro Dude. Very funny basketball guy. Also very intelligent and smart as well. That's how I like him. Uh, If you want to follow me on Twitter at FastBreakBreak, make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you want to support the program, do that at Patreon.com slash FastBreakBreakfast. You can join our Slack channel there. Get access to exclusive bonus content. You can join our Patreon-only Zoom Hangouts that we do monthly, answering your questions. If you're in the Memphis area, do not miss Kevin Hart. He's coming to the FedEx Forum with his reality check tour on Friday, October 21st. Those tickets are on sale right now. Get them and get ready to see one of the biggest names in comedy. Visit FedExForum.com for all information and to get your tickets. All right, you guys are the best. Thanks for listening. And remember breakfast is the most important
2: thing. Yeah, never apologize
0: for being TNG. Fab, break, break, man. You understand? Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then, Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com.
2: It's my little escape.
0: Now, Judy's the life of the party.
1: Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon.
0: Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs>